Look alive, sunshine. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for listening to another Culture Cult. In this episode, I want to talk a little bit about what I think a lot of people are planning for this new year, and that is to increase the level of books that we read, either be it by number, you know, quantity, or quality of it. I know that uh, for me personally, I love reading books. I always have loved reading books. And despite the desire and the will to read said books, I have oftentimes failed in letting either time on my phone or work or frivolous uh, entertainment take the time that would I would otherwise allocate towards reading books. And thus, I've got, as many people who uh, practice spirituality and occultism and the like, I've got a, a bookshelf full of books, many of which are way behind in reading. So uh, it's a sort of a personal goal of mine to increase my the the amount of books that I read every year and I'm going to start with the personal challenge which is to read one book for every week that I am gone in New York for this current film project I'm about to work on I should be gone around 10 weeks and so that gives me the challenge of one week or one book per week so I've selected my books that I'm taking with me and uh, and I'll keep you guys updated I'll let you know how I'm doing can I set aside that hour or two hours every day to read to dedicate myself to focusing strictly on reading and not, you know, what most of us do now when we absorb content is that we're sort of passively watching, but at the same time we're on our phone or we're holding conversations or whatever it may be. My goal in 2022 is to dedicate myself to read one full book every week, at least starting off while I'm gone, and then grow from there. And so if you're like me and you also have this goal and you'd like to increase the number of books that you read, or maybe you'd like to increase the quality of books that you're reading, I wanted to recommend a couple of, well, four actually, books that have had a very profound impact on my life. And I thought about how to best present this. And I think that I don't want to do like a book review, maybe down the line we'll do something like that, but it doesn't seem very useful. Everyone's got access to Google for the most part. You can look online, look on an Amazon review and sort of see what these books are about. I'll touch on them a little bit. But what I really wanted to focus on was why these books were so impactful to my life and where I was at that point in my life in which I discovered them. So the first book I want to touch about is the book of the alchemist and i know that for uh i posted this online the other day and someone gave a real negative sort of comment on it i don't know what the blowback is on it i found uh the alchemist to be an incredibly enchanting book you know um paulo caleo wrote this book somewhat about 25 years ago more or less um a, a lyricist and a writer out of brazil and what what impacted me and I think it, what impacted other people about The Alchemist so much is that the the lead character of Santiago starts with this pursuit of material gains. But what he finds is a treasure so much more deep than what he initially thinks. And I don't want to ruin it. I know it's not a new book, but still, if you haven't read it, it'd be new to you. Um, but why it's so important to me is that when I first got introduced to The Alchemist, where I at, was at in my life, and I've been very open about this to date, which is that I, in the summer of 2017, was facing the end of my first marriage. 
I was specifically uh, out of state in Georgia on a film set on a big day where there's lots of extras, a big prom scene. And I remember taking the phone call. And at the end of said phone call, I came to the realization that this major portion of my life for the past six years was all but effectively over. And as one could imagine, I sort of, you know, I was lost and I buried myself in work for a couple more weeks. And then inevitably I had to hit the road and drive back home. And um, because this book had been recommended to me, I said, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'll get the audiobook version and I'll just put it on. It gave me something to listen to. And maybe if it was any other book, it would have just been that. But this particular book, for whatever reason, it felt like my journey driving from you know, Savannah, Georgia, Augusta, Georgia, back to Los Angeles was my own journey that sort of paralleled the journey that the lead character goes through. I was in the process, as I was putting miles on this road, rediscovering who I was. And it became also apparent to me that I had lost who I was over the course of the last six years, and by no fault of my former partners, but of my own doing. And this journey, this as I'm driving, as I see these lanes in front of me, right, as I pass from state to state to state, and I'm listening to this story, when I arrived back in Los Angeles, I felt profoundly changed in ways that I'm still understanding. I felt like not only was a chapter closing on a previous relationship, which we can all relate to, but a chapter was closing on that portion of my life and who I was. Since then, I'm not saying it's like an overnight change, but since that moment along that drive, that really opened the door for me to reevaluate not only where I was in life, but more importantly, the kind of life I want to lead going forward. And I, I struggle to wrap my head around whether or not I would have come to that realization, that self-discovery, if I hadn't been guided by the words in The Alchemist. So I recommend it strongly for anyone who has yet to read it. Um, I, if there's some sort of backlash on the internet, who cares? Fuck them. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I really did. And, I, and I, I honestly, I don't think I'd be doing any of this that I do now without having had that experience by myself with just the road and and the words and fun trivia fact. If you if you I'm a, I always recommend like physical books, I'm a big proponent of physical medium. But if you if you if you're on a road trip like I was and you don't have the ability or the luxury to have a physical book to read, uh, one of the audiobook versions of The Alchemist is narrated by the great actor Jeremy Irons, whom you may know as Scar from The Lion King and the villain in Die Hard Three, and he's done a ton of other stuff. But he's a fantastic actor, and he narrates his books with just precision and gravitas and it really helps bring the words to life so uh, i recommend it to you all as as a book that was transformative for me hopefully uh, at very minimum you'll enjoy the story and if and if maybe on a deeper level it will awaken that sense of enchantment and wonder and adventure within each of you all so the alchemist is book number one that i always recommend to people this next book is, uh, it, if you listen to this podcast, it's not going to be a surprise to anyone. And that's Damien Echo's High Magic. Uh, coming out of where I was having listened to The Alchemist, this is again 2017, I didn't 
really discover Damien's book until, well, I, I bought it in 20, I think I bought it in 2018, maybe 2019. But I, again, like I mentioned at the top of this, you know, little mini podcast, I, it sat on the shelf for a while waiting for me to get to it like so many books do. And it came at a time where um, I, again, ironically, was in Georgia. There's something about traveling coast to coast that seems to evoke change in my life or or signifies change in my life. But where I was on a coming out of the alchemist, I felt like I had rediscovered what I wanted to be. But somewhere along the lines of that moment to this moment, you know, two and a half years later, when I started reading in earnest in 2020, maybe the end of 2019, I can't remember exactly, I had succumbed to a level of nihilism and succumbed to a level of self-loathing. And uh, I think what I was what I was butting up against was that I wanted to make changes. I had a sense of that adventure, but I, I just was felt lost. And I felt sort of stuck in the mire of, of the mundane, of life, of work. I felt that I allowed my bitterness and my anger, which I've always dealt with and I've always struggled with, to sort of bubble to the surface and rob me of the change I was so desperately knowing that I needed. And and through the workings in high magic, I was able to find an outlet by which I could rediscover myself. If the if the alchemist put a sense of adventure in my heart, high magic gave me the tools to chisel through the hard exterior and really find and absorb that. I've heard some people mention that high magic is sort of uh, simple, sort of introductory. And I would equate it more to, uh, and I say this with all the love of the world, sort of a Hemingway approach to magic. I mean, certainly as my magical journey has progressed, you start reading uh, other books by other authors. And certainly when you go back to stuff like that Crowley wrote, um, some of it is incredibly complex and allegorical. And um, certainly in, in the in the case of Crowley, self-aggrandizing, and it's it's a it's a chore sometimes to get through those. But with Damien's books, I've always been able to follow it very succinctly. It's very evident that it's designed for anyone to understand and apply and see if it works for them. You know, the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker all have access to something that has really elevated my life in a in a massive way. I don't want to keep using the word profound, but in a a very important way to me. And so that magical current that I I found myself attached to, it felt right. And everyone's magical journey is different. Different currents will will feel right to you. But it, for for me, for for me and where I was and where I wanted to go, uh, again, if if the fire and the and the wanderlust was put into my heart by the alchemist, it was high magic that gave me the path to to travel to journey with one, one of them still on. And one that means very much to me. It's very dear to my heart. And so I want to thank uh, Mr. Eccles for writing this book for people like me who had uh, no basis in magic and was looking to, to be introduced to something that has the ability to, to change who we are and to empower us to change the world around us. After, after high magic, some time passed and, my wife had been recommending to me this book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. And I, I had initially resisted this book, predominantly because 
it always came off to me a bit Gen X-y, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I'm going to give you tough love kind of vibe and voice. And, and, and I've never really resonated with that, at least in the way that it presents itself in art oftentimes. It's, it, it, it too often skirts around the systematic reasons by which many people are downtrodden or, or suppressed by the system or what have you. Nevertheless, uh, at her recommendation, I gave it a read, and not not that long ago, earlier this year, and and in the beginning, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It was a little, you know, tough, lovey, liberal use of curse words, kind of uh, in your face. But I, but as I kept reading, it it really impressed upon me the journey that Mark Manson had been on, and in particular, the chapters that deal with death. I found to be imp- particularly strong uh and and relevant to me i've had i've mentioned this before on the podcast i had two big health scares this year i had covid that lasted nearly a month and i was incredibly ill uh in january going into february and then i had kidney stones in june and somewhere in between there i've gained a very healthy respect for the finality of our lives and so reading this book that sort of put into place the ideas that perhaps we are wasting our time worrying about so many things that just don't matter. And perhaps that we're putting our efforts into something that we think that we really care about, that we think that we're passionate about, we think means a lot. But if we're really honest with ourselves, it doesn't. We don't actually give a fuck. And the book, as glib as its title may be, highlights something very important, which is that this life is short. Death is imminent. It is guaranteed for all of us. Not only our own deaths, but the deaths of our loved ones, the death of our pets, the death of our parents. There is an end that is guaranteed for all. We all have that ticket and we never know when we or our loved ones are getting off the train station. And so if you feel like you know that the end is inevitable... It puts into perspective the kinds of things you waste your time focusing on or to use to turn a phrase, giving a fuck about. I am not going to sit here and pretend to be perfect at this. I am certainly not. But I do think that uh, having that perspective and insight confront us is important from time to time shake us out of our of our complacency a little bit and so even though there was an initial hesitation on my part in the end it has joined these other books with things that i strongly recommend people read and then take from it what what means the most for them i think we could all from time to time use a little bit of tough love and and asking ourselves very point blank do the things that we seemingly care about actually matter are they worthwhile are they the things that we want to spend our very finite time concerning ourselves with and if they're not then maybe we should give less of a fuck about them and lastly is a book i just finished it's the four agreements by don miguel ruiz and um this was a book again this is a this is a returning story my dad had recommended it. he had actually bought it and sent it to me uh, like a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, even. And again, just like I said about you know high magic and and sort of art of not giving a fuck, I said yeah yeah okay I'll get to it amongst whatever else. But I didn't get to it until very recently. 
And and my dad was coming to visit. I said, you know what? I'm going to give this book a read. You know, he's asked me about it every single time since he sent it to me. And I've always had some excuse. Time to put that excuse away and let me give it a read. Now, I would say that if you read The Four Agreements, you may find it overly simplistic and sometimes repetitive. I do not know if that is due to uh, any sort of language barrier that might exist within the writer. But um, while it was a little jarring at first, I came to accept it because it, it really is trying to provide a framework by which we can not only deconstruct all the things that we have grown to accept and to consider part of our moral code that were that were impressed upon us at an age long before we could give consent to it, long before we could rationalize the pros and cons of these beliefs. He calls them agreements, but they're essentially beliefs. The idea that um, you know there are good guys and bad guys. The good the idea that you know murder is bad, but but war is good. All these things that pledging allegiance to the flag, for example, that you do at the earliest of ages. This book would would confront you and, and challenge you and say that perhaps those things don't actually serve us, that we are bound by these beliefs that were imparted upon us by our parents. And it's not their fault because it, it, it travels through, it's generational. Your parents can only teach you what they know. And they were taught by their parents who could only teach them what they knew and so on and so forth. And it's it's challenging each of us to stop and hop off that train and as as adults with 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 free minds and and discernment cut away the agreements or the moral codes or the morals or whatever you want to call it cut away those agreements and focus on four basic agreements to be impeccable with your word you know, understanding that your words have weight and value and meaning and they can actually shape the will of not only yourself but people around you want to call it just being persuasive or you want to call it whatever you mean but think about every angry word you've ever said to a partner and how that can fundamentally and and forever damage it and conversely think about a kind word you gave to a stranger and how that might have saved their life literally as much as it is figuratively beyond being impeccable with your word it's not taking things personally understanding that everyone is just in their own orbit trying to live their life the best way that they can and Sometimes that always doesn't manifest itself in the best ways. And sometimes it manifests itself in ways that are directly impede our own lives or or inconveniences or anger us, which is my big vice and um, or or annoyance, maybe, maybe even more so. And to understand that, that if someone acts in a way that is, does not serve us in a positive manner, it's not necessarily a reflection of us so much as it is the things that they have going on, their, their own struggles, And so don't take things personally, don't assume, kind of goes hand in hand, and to do your best. Do your best. Kindness and forgiveness and empathy for ourselves seems to be in short supply this day, these days. And I think that we could do, we we could take a lot from getting a subtle reminder that at the end of the day, we're all trying to live the best possible life that we can, but we need to give ourselves a little bit of room to make mistakes rooms to stumble and fall flat on our face a long time ago one of the times i became a manager i was working at a, a, a retail shop and as i was being promoted to store manager i remember my area manager telling me i know you can manage a store i know you have the skills of that 
but I I won't know for certain how good you're going to be until you fall on your face for the first time. Because that is what defines our growth. And if you don't give yourself that room for failure, if you're not if you don't go easy on yourself, if you don't realize that you're just doing your best and sometimes your best will be better from one day to the next. If you sleep for four hours and you you wake up with a sore neck and you're cranky, your best will probably not be as good as if you got eight hours of sleep and you woke up and you meditated and you had a healthy breakfast. And once we understand that, then we can start shaping the things we're doing in our lives to give us the best opportunity to do our best. So from the enchantment of the alchemist to the, the magical skill sets of high magic to the, the slap in the face of reality from the subtle art of not giving a fuck and the restructuring and deconstruction of the morals that we hold dear to ourselves since essentially birth in the four agreements, I found that these four books have very much shaped at very minimum the kind of person I want to be. If I'm not, if if uh, if not necessarily always the person I am from moment to moment, but you know what, I'm doing my best as I've as I've learned. So um, I hope that this is helpful to anyone who is listening. If you too are trying to read more books in this new year and you're looking for some to add to your queue, I recommend these four. Give them a try. See how they work for you. I'm a big believer that the only way to find the things that work for you is by trying on many, many coats. And so hopefully these are of interest to you. And if nothing else, hopefully they just add to further insight, which can always be a healthy thing. So anyways, that's it, everyone. Uh, This one's this sort of culture cuts a little bit longer than usual, but I wanted to kind of explain why these books are important, not because of necessarily the content of them, but because of how they impacted my life and where I was. And I hope that this is serves you all to hear. I hope these recommendations are useful and helpful. And I wish everyone a very happy New Year's. I don't know if I'll do another culture cut before now and then I might. Um, but if I don't, happy New Year's to everyone. Let's make 2022 the best that we possibly can. And until next time, gold rings on you all. <laughs>